and thanks for listening to Shelf Love. I am thrilled to welcome you to the Decameron Quarantine Romance Book Club. This is part one of a 10-episode miniseries of short, casual conversations with romance experts who are here to spread the joy of romance novels so that we can all stay home and not spread the coronavirus. I'm Andrea Martucci, host of the Shelf Love podcast, and tonight I am joined by... Katie Robert, New York Times bestselling author of over 50 romances, including the Wicked Villains series. Karelia Stetz-Waters, an English professor who writes contemporary women-loving women romance. And last but never least, Katrina Jackson, a history professor and author of erotica and erotic romances featuring diverse characters. Also, she loves John Boyega, and if you happen to know him, please tell him she's single. Thank you. So, <laughs> uh, tonight's theme is kink, so without further ado... Let's get into it. So first question, Katie, uh, you may not be a professor like Karelia and Katrina, but I think you could all teach us a thing or two about kink because I have seen the photos of your Barbie dolls engaged in some pretty kinky situations. So what romance novel would you recommend on this theme? Um, I'm going with an old school, one of my favorite series of all time is, I don't think I've ever said it out loud, Kushiel Start by Jacqueline Carey. It's... um, fantasy it's the story of a courtesan who is also a spy and she feels um pain as pleasure and just goes on these most epic adventures and also falls in love with a warrior priest who is has a uh is celibate (laughs) so there's a lot of shenanigans that entail and um as part of her outings in which she's gathering information a lot of them are very very kinky and that was probably the first kinky romance oh it's not romance technically but there's a happily ever after for them at the end of the series um but it was my first like experience with kink and I didn't really understand what I was reading and it it holds up so well and I reread it like probably once a year the original trilogy (laughs) so wait so is it older then it's like early 2000s is when it came out I want to say maybe a little bit before that probably early 2000s um but yeah there's it's an original or trilogy they're just fat fat books like if you want to lose yourself in another world for days on end I recommend this one what's like the the nature of the kink I guess so she is basically I mean like a masochist but more um and so she goes out to like is sent out on these um meetups essentially with these people who have all sorts of things that they're super into like there's a lot of bondage there's a lot of pain play like a lot a lot of pain play some humiliation kink some I mean pretty much under that umbrella there is a whole lot and she experiences all of it over the course of um the especially the first book content warnings there is some like situations in which she later on in the book and in the series does not necessarily have the ability to give consent because she's like taken captive and not in like a fun way um so take that knowledge going in but um yeah it's very complicated for her because she's like even when she's not enjoying herself she's sort of enjoying herself it's like it's all tangled up oh very interesting have so Karelia or uh katrina have either of you read this series no no, I haven't read it, that's but a- I will now. The <laughs> recommendation. Yeah, no, that's that's a new one. I've never. And sorry, it was Jacqueline Carey. 
Yes, yes. It's the intense politics, like the way that she weaves this world. It's it's almost like alternate history Europe, but with like a little bit of like magical elements. Um and it is just intense. Like it's it's one of the best villains I've probably ever read, like ever, is the villain in this series. And it's a lady, which is extra awesome. So, Karelia, your favorite creative writing lecture is the one on writing sex scenes. And you're particularly passionate about using the romance genre to educate women about their bodies and their pleasure. So, does your recommendation have any notable sex literacy? Oops, I mean, sex literacy scenes? <laughs> Absolutely. So, I'd like to recommend The Night Off by Megan O'Brien, which is, it is all the erotica and all the romance feels wrapped up in one. So the story is the workaholic accountant who's been taking care of her little sister since she was really a child herself, has saved up two months' salary to hire um, an escort to play out uh, a kinky scene, a BDSM scene with her. Uh, And it, it goes beautifully. It's everything she wanted. And she and the escort, uh, who's also a woman, start to fall in love with each other in that, um, in that moment, in that evening. And O'Brien does, does it so well, such that one of the things I, I tell my students when we're talking about writing sex scenes is that in my opinion, uh, every sex scene has to move the plot forward. It has to mean something. Um, and just O'Brien does that beautifully so that in the course of this, uh, prolonged sex scene, you feel the character's passion for each other growing. It's just, it's so beautiful. It just like makes my heart pound, even as, you know, it makes other parts of me pound as well. Um, the focus on, uh, the clitoris, which is, it's, is my passion. I, I feel that uh, I, I got really inspired after re- be reading Becoming Cliterate um, by Laurie Mintz. I would definitely recommend that book to anyone who's interested in uh, sex and, and pleasure education for women. Uh, got really passionate when I read that book and learned about the pleasure gap, that is the degree to which women reach orgasm much less than men. Uh, but one of the interesting things from that research is that that gap disappears when women are sleeping with other women. And the reason for that is our society's fixation on penetration as the primary uh, source of pleasure, that it should be at the heart of sex and uh, the definition of sex even. And then anatomically, penetration alone is not always everything that a woman needs. So uh, I found that when you have a, uh, two women in a scene, with the, pr- the pressure of penetration is taken away. It can be there, uh, women enjoy penetration, but there's not this sense that the sex scene needs to end with a climactic penetration, that it has to be uh, the center of the story. So with two women here in this very uh, beautifully um, negotiated, consensual, non-consent kind of situation, uh, there's a huge focus on the clitoris. The sex is, is so hot. And the tenderness 
that underlies the um, the play, which involves spanking, humiliation. Um, the tenderness that underlies that is drawn so beautifully. I just uh, just love it. Just fabulous book. Everyone everyone should check it out. So as you were saying that, I was so I was thinking about the definition of kink and like what is kink. Um, and you were talking about consensual non-consent and I and um you know Katie in your book that you were talking about or in the series there's a lot of pain is pleasure and so literally the definition of kink hold on I got it from Wikipedia guys uh it's the use of non-conventional sexual practices concepts or fantasies and um it's anything that kind of falls outside of vanilla I guess so why do we why do we think in these books I mean they're they're playing with things that um there's these elements of kinky sex that like consensual non-consent like as in romance genre consent is huge right and you know generally during sex it's like you're trying to avoid pain so why are these why are these things like in kinky sex why are they fun what do you think Corellia (laughs) this is a big question can you answer (laughs) Uh, let's see. Why are they fun? Um, well, I, I think the taboo is fun. Uh, in O'Brien's novel, the ability to give up control after living a very controlled life is very rewarding for the protagonist. And then perhaps on a side note, and perhaps, um, TMI, I went to a really interesting lecture on erotic spanking where our teacher went into the kind of the physiology of pain and pleasure and talked about the the mix of adrenaline and endorphins that pain for pleasure causes and why uh, it's the pleasure of kink is in our minds but it's also literally in the chemistry of our bodies mm, that's interesting Okay, thank you. So, uh, Katrina, loyal listeners of the podcast have already heard from you on some very hefty topics like the Civil War in episode 17 and financial conversations and polyamorous romance in episode 23. So I feel like the bar has been set pretty high. So no pressure or anything. Uh, What's your recommendation? I don't believe in pressure, so we can just throw the bar away. Um, (laughs) When it comes to kink romance, I adore Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, She writes a lot of kink into her, um, into a lot of her series. But the very first book I read by her with a strong kink element was At Her Feet. And I always say that it changed me. So the story is about um, a young woman who has had a um, traumatic um, experience in her past that is sort of, you know, the reader learns that slowly over time, um, who is just sort of surfing. So this is another thing I love about Rebecca. She has really great technology in her, like sort of contemporary technology in her um in her stories. So um, Susie is the main character. She's just sort of searching the internet for porn to get off one night and she ends up on um, kink life and um, sort of stumbles into um, a relationship with a mommy dom. And the sort of story uh, who is really interested in like 1950s garb and like her house is sort of like decorated in that particular way. And um, so the story is partially about sort of their kind of burgeoning relationship, but and um, um, 
them trying to make the relationship work because they have both sort of had traumatic experiences like so this is an adult little girl romance uh, or sort of relationship and Susie has had this trauma that she is uh sort of not yet ready to sort of talk about and then her mommy Dom has never been able to find um, a little girl who works for her um, and she's incredibly fearful that this will be another sort of failed relationship um, and so the relationship sort of builds um, as they are kind of dealing with their expectation um, but also there's a lot of um, their sort of you know um, bondage and spanking but it's really sort of everything is about control and about sort of their ability to learn to trust one another for Su for Susie to give um, her dominant the control that she's asking for and to know that she will be safe in doing so. Um, and also to sort of, so it's just a really kind of beautiful, but also really sort of um, sexy relationship. And I remember thinking that I had never read anything like it. Um, and then I just decided to stand Rebecca Weatherspoon for the rest <laughs> of, you know, my life. She's so good. So good. I have to like hoard her books because they're so good. And then I, yeah, they're my keepers. I literally have keepers. one that I'm waiting to read. <laughs> yeah, I have one safe for quarantine, the the newest one, because I know I'm going to need it in about a week. Like, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Yeah. Is that the A Cowboy to Remember? Yeah. Yeah, I have that one um, tempting me. <laughs> <laughs> so I've already made this joke on Twitter. Sorry, anybody who follows me. But um, I had an arc sitting on my counter for that book. And my husband walked by and he was like, oh, ha ha. In, in, as opposed to all the cowboys that she forgot. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there's an amnesia plot. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh. And I was like, yeah, don't come at me, bro. Like... <laughs> <laughs> romance it, this is romance it's all happening <laughs> yeah so let's kind of have an open discussion about kink in the context of the romance genre um like is there a wrong way to do kinky romance yeah i mean yes <laughs> i i think that as even within like when you're playing with like consensual non-consent the consent needs to be very explicit at least to in established in order for the reader to like emerge themselves and enjoy the fantasy by knowing that there's like an escape hatch. Cause if there's not, then I mean, that's not a romance. There's, I don't know how you could pull, yeah. off, pull off a happily ever after if there's not consent on like when you're dealing with these very taboo and potentially dangerous activities and topics, you have to have like real trust between the characters and between the writer and the reader as well. Which isn't to say that some of, um, like I know Rebecca um, in a few of her books has sort of dealt with uh, characters breaking that trust, right? Um, but she's one set up a relationship, like that happens in At Her Feet, but it also happens in um, um, the Fit Trilogy, I think in the first book. Um, this sort of um, moment where um, someone sort of pushes a boundary that you're uncomfortable with, right? She's created a relationship that can survive that with like healthy dialogue, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect, but I think that kind of extra care and attention um, is a, a really hard dividing line for me. One of the things I really like about well written kink in romance is that negotiation, that open dialogue, that dialogue that comes before sex. Um, and I think that is so healthy and should be a part of all sexual encounters. Um, so I, I, 
I love seeing it dramatized in uh, kinky romance, and I'd like to see that dramatized even more in um, all all romance genres. Yeah. No, no, it's it's true. I mean, like all of relationships building in general, communication and negotiation, right? Like, what am I going to give up? What are you going to kind of relax on? And how do we how do we meet somewhere where we're we're both happy, everybody's happy, and everybody's kind of getting what they need. And you're kind of letting go of things that don't really matter to you. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've noticed in some kinky novels or novels that have kinky sex is sometimes as the emotional intimacy grows, the kinkiness actually downgrades. Have Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, definitely in some books you see that. It's almost like they, I don't want to say don't need it because that's not particularly accurate, but like, yeah, sometimes it's, it, you know, it, it's almost like they're like, quote unquote, making love <laughs> and without all the kink, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that there is, for me, a distinction between books where kink is an element of the story and where it, it feels central. And I think I prefer the latter, right, where you get to see a couple um, or more people um, negotiating a relationship where they all get where they need. And when kink is a part of that, um, it doesn't like disappear once that relationship is established. But I love the ones where it becomes more intense, right, because now that sort of level uh, of trust is there so that they can um, push each other a little bit further, right? So, but I think that only happens, um, or at least I only see that in romances where kink is not a plot device. It is literally a part of the relationship being built. Hmm. Corelia, were you going to say something? Oh, uh, I was just going to say that one of the things I like in the O'Brien novel uh, that I recommended to take uh, the night off was um, was a kind of mix of vanilla and kinky sex. So kinky sex followed by vanilla sex, then returning back to kink because that's what both of the protagonists enjoy. Mm. Yeah, and um, you know, one thing I'm remembering is in Sanctuary by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, something, I feel like there's a really interesting discussion about, um, you know, kink, insects, as the two characters kind of, um, progress in their emotional relationship. Um, there's the, the male, male main character in that story is less familiar with kink and is kind of introduced to it by the female main character. And he's a little bit like, do we have to do this all the time? And I feel like, I feel like there's a really interesting discussion in, that book about, um, you know, the female main character being like, I don't know, I like it. I, I kind of do want to do it all the time. And um, I feel like that's an interesting example of um, one character. I, I, I think at one point he's like, let's try it without it. And then he's like, you know, you're right. I kind of like, like it when it's kinky. <laughs> right. Right. Because it doesn't. Um, but also that the sort of one thing. I, I really am a Rebecca Weatherspoon stan, so, like, it is what it is. But I think what she does so well is that she can um, make even things that are not kinky feel kinky. Like, like it is just um, the sort of tension of it all. Like, I mean, because I remember in Sanctuary, he's, like, walking around with, like, a, a tiny bottle of lube, right? And she's literally just like, what are you doing? Like, like what is happening here, Right. <laughs> Um, and then the sort of conversation after that, which I think is a handjob or something like that, is so like 
this sort of power play happening there because that that uh, female main character is was a former dom right so like that kind of uh it's a sort of power play there of what she will and will not allow but also sort of him testing out what he does and, and does not like right that the lube kind of symbolizes is mm-hmm. so like ridiculous and amazing and, and completely unexpected because it's also mm-hmm. a very tiny tiny bottle of lube she's like literally what are what are you supposed to do here <laughs> the class I took on spanking, the teacher recommended that uh, you try spanking your partner with a spatula and then return it to the kitchen so that every time you made pancakes for your mom or your friends, that would be this moment of pink, <laughs> even though all you're doing is making pancakes. So that's hilarious. <laughs> Well, that adds to the taboo flavor there, too, of like, we know something you don't, and we shared this moment that no one else experienced. And it's a little naughty and a little dirty and a little like whatever, but that like makes it extra sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Why is the forbidden fruit so tempting? Why is, why is the uh, like taboo? Like, is it, um, is it more enjoyable because there's a sense of not supposed to enjoy it? I would say so. I mean, I think that there are a lot of things that like as society, they're like, you shouldn't want this, but it's not wrong or unhealthy or bad in any way when two consenting or more than two consenting individuals are doing it and but yeah I think that that like we shouldn't be doing this in whether it's like something as simple as like making out in public or something like much more complicated is it adds it heightens the mental um like turn on which makes everything sexier yeah, I think I, I always sort of struggle with recommending At Her Feet, even though I love it so much because it does make people uncomfortable because this is a sort of um, mommy, little girl sort of role play relationship. But part of the reason I love it so much is because um, the sort of central thing is that that sort of very personal space where they get to act out their kink becomes the safe space, right? So um, the rest of the world is for the main character, the um, the main character Susie, like literally terrifying, right? I mean, she is literally processing a kind of trauma she is not ready to, um, and she is running away from it. And so the kink provides a space for her to let that go. But also the sort of you know the the sort of story arc of the book is that it helps her, the kink helps her get to a place where she's ready to deal with that trauma because it is so safe. And I think um, the sort of taboo of of that story um, almost masks the 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 norm of it all right <laughs> that that these are like still people who are sort of processing something um whatever it is right something very regular unfortunately very regular um in a way that it gives them an outlet um so it is taboo but also for at least for Susie so necessary for her to kind of move to the next phase of her life hmm yeah, that's a really good point. I think that totally makes sense. I would I would totally agree with that. And and that ability to share something that is perhaps forbidden or discouraged by society, that ability to share something like that in that safe setting is uh, such a powerful moment of trust. Yeah. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but my first exposure to um, kink in 
literature. I don't know if I'd call it a romance, but uh, you know the the Sleeping Beauty trilogy by I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean Anne. So Rice. many people that was. <laughs> so many people are scarred because <laughs> just dropped you right off the deep end like there's no toe in the water with that trilogy i think i was like 12 and so confused because i didn't even i barely knew what like regular sex was like i didn't even know what like vanilla was and i'm like what's with the tail <laughs> like what's going on here um i admit i still don't know what that book was what that series was about do you do any of you know? I tried to reread it and I was so confused. I only read the first one and only as an adult. So I was just like, I'm going to go back to stuff that makes sense to me now. <laughs> I've completely missed out. Oh my God. I mean, congratulations! it's, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really wild. And um, I feel like there were times where I was like, I feel like I should get this. And I don't. Yeah, at 12, I feel like I should get this. <laughs> I'm very harsh on myself at all times. So maybe I would have done just well in that community. There was lots of, uh, lots of corporeal punishment and um, I don't know. Not a lot of consent. It was just a nope. Not a lot of consent. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read that also when I was about 12. And when I was in college, I was trying to describe how it imprinted on me so heavily but like not named the book and a friend of mine literally just turned like she just sort of snapped her head at me and was like I know what book you're talking about and (laughs) for the rest of the semester it became like our like small secret because we had read that book far too early when we were really young so I get it oh my god okay so uh so Katie What's something other than romance that's bringing joy to you during social distancing? Um, I'm doing a lot of knitting right now and buying a significant amount of yarn and questionable colors because anxiety. I, I Apparently, I'm going to knit a yellow sweater. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm doing a lot of knitting. It's very therapeutic to me to like just the repetitive motions and like the pretty colors and pleasing textures and... Uh, it distracts me a little bit from like all the other stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of other stuff going on and we have a lot of time to sit and think about it. So, so instead of, uh, instead of sitting and thinking about it, read one of these books. Yes. So that's all for night one of the Decameron. Uh, did you know that the Decameron translates to 10 nights? Me neither until I looked it up, but now you know. So these episodes will release about every three nights. So make sure you are subscribed to Shelf Love on your favorite podcast app and check the show notes for links to the the romances that we mentioned, plus where to find my guests. Coming up on future episodes in this series, I have six more guests, plus themes like fantasy, friendship, and food. Stay well, take care of yourselves and your community, and keep calm and keep reading romance. All right. So episode one, we did it. Did you know that Shelf Love is part of the Frolic Podcast Network? You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.